I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Today in history, in 1776, Americans begin shelling British troops in Boston, proving that New Englanders have always woken up and chosen violence. Welcome to What the Fuck History, where we discuss the wackiest and weirdest things that make us say, well, what the fuck history. I am your American James Bond, Zachary, and my code name is 42069 Jake Bland, and I like my whiskey straight up, thank you. I'm Megan, and I am one of those New Englanders that wakes up every day and chooses violence. And I'm Matt, but my friends call me, hey, is someone standing in that bush over there? But it's is me. there? Jake Bland, 42069. <laughs> it's Zach. It's Zach. But it's, it's also me. always Zach. It's both of you, really. Zach's there for spy reasons, and I'm there for voyeurism. Reasons. Anyways. <laughs> a game of rock, paper, scissors has been played, and the order for tonight has been determined as follows. The lovely, stunning, gorgeous, beautiful Megan will go first, followed by the ruggedly handsome me, and followed by the Viking himself, Zach, and then we'll be at the end of the show, Um, and then you can come back, you can come back in two weeks and hear another one of these thingies. Then you have to sit there with your own thoughts, and that's the scariest thing of all. Go go to sleep and think of your... uh, your impending doom. So anyways, Megan, do you want to do you want to start us off? Yeah, I do actually. Right, uh, so yeah. my my story tonight is a little bit strange just because um we don't really know if the woman that I'm going to be talking about is real or not. So with that oh. president established. <laughs> Fantastic. We don't know if it's a ghost or it's Timothy Dexter tricking us all again. I just I just well, want to yeah. I just want to say um this is a this is a historical podcast and uh we are not here to talk about mythological beings. Listen, she's not <laughs> mythological, okay? Like it is all right, based I just wanted to in determine. history. Like I think it is very important to discuss what she or her her image contributed. If okay. you will. Okay, all right. I'm sorry. I am yeah. waiting with bated breath. All right, let's dive in. All right, I'm, I'm going to be talking about Agnodis or Agnodice. Uh, there were a few different pronunciations on the internet, and quite honestly, it's Greek, and just like John Green, I can't pronounce things right. So, <laughs> <laughs> starting off strong. Starting off strong. She was born in the 4th century BC in Athens, and as she was growing up, she witnessed a lot of women dying in childbirth uh, because they wanted to manage the process themselves rather than calling in a male physician. And I don't know about you guys, but, like, 
as I have gotten older, like, anytime they're like, hey, do you want a man doctor? I'm like, absolutely no. no. <laughs> <laughs> like, thank you I for the option. I have not had a doctor since high school. Oh, okay. wow. Um, yeah, that's that good, good New Hampshire uh, <laughs> health system. <laughs> that good health system. I mean, I, I can Welcome to American s- Healthcare. I can actually personally say the opposite, where, like, when I was younger, I had a female pediatrician, and that was dope. And then I had a male pediatrician, and that was dope. And I really didn't give a shit, and now that I'm an adult, my doctor is a man, and I'm like, this is kind of, you know, what I would Zach, prefer it's personally. No, that makes sense. Everyone's being paid to touch your no-no bits. Does it really matter? Hey, what I do to make sure that I pay rent on time is none of your goddamn business. Okay. Can we damn, not call Jesus him out? Christ. Can we I not put him even... on blast? Hey, here's the thing. I didn't bring it there. <laughs> Zachary did that himself. He's being honest about what he does. Okay. okay? I didn't know that he slept with his physician. That's Not honestly... until he made that public himself did I know that. <laughs> All jokes aside, I understand where you're... You want a female physician or you want a male physician. Some people don't give a shit. I'm more on the not giving a shit side, but if I have the choice, I'm going to pick a male physician because... That's how you identify, it, that's right? That's how I you identify. Know, it, just, it makes you more comfortable. So this is sort of how women felt in ancient Greece, and it stemmed from the idea that women's bodies were polluting in some way, and all problems pretty much stemmed from them being just like a woman. You mean that's not so the they case? Would, yeah, like, can you imagine rocking up to a doctor and be like, man, I'm experiencing this foot problem, and they're just like, hey. Have you tried not being a woman? Have you tried, like, not doing that? Doctor, I have ankle pain. It's because you're a female and demons chose to inhabit your body. Next. Yeah. Next. <laughs> Get rid of your uterus before you come in here and start complaining, you imperfect man. <laughs> You keep saying polluted women, so the first thing that runs through my mind is just two words, and it's smokestack vagina. Okay, we need to move on. That sounds mysterious. No, no, we need to go. We need to move on from there. Tell me more about Angrodices. So, Agnodice, thank you. (laughs) Angrodice. Anyway, so the world of medicine at that time, very much a boys club, and women were embarrassed to have to tell men their problems to the point that women in even the higher echelons of society were dying, mostly from childbirth. Like, if there is one thing that you, if you didn't want to go in and tell a male doctor that your foot was hurting because he was just going to say, hey, it's because you're a girl. You definitely don't want to tell him that you're having a child. Child, because you're a girl. So... A lot of them just kind of tried to muddle through. What's this? No, it's a parasite. Don't worry about it. Leave me alone. (laughs) Don't worry about it. And while women were allowed to practice medicine as midwives, the story of Agnides begins with it being illegal for women to practice full-fledged medicine for fear that they were providing abortions, which, as we all know... Men, for some reason, are very into talking about... Abortions? Uh, Abortions. 
Well, they, yeah, so she, I mean, are you talking about in ancient Rome, though? They were pretty into talking about abortions? Well, I'm talking about, like, in general, in the like, now the abortion times? debate. Yeah, the abortion debate yeah. is still well, raging. Well, because I was going to say like, that if, like, if in Roman times men were talking about abortions, I was going to say nothing has really changed in politics. But <laughs> if you're talking about in the now times, yeah, nothing has nothing, really changed Nothing has really changed. Yeah. So needless to say, she was pretty outraged by this. So she's like, deuces, I'm going to Egypt to study medicine where that is legal. And with this training, she comes back to Athens and she decides to disguise herself as a man to practice medicine and help the women that were you know, dying of lack of medicinal care. And Let's the story get goes down to business yeah. to deliver some kids. <laughs> some kids to become doctors. That's what Mulan did after she saved China. Uh, <laughs> it's the sequel. <laughs> but the story of how she gains the trust of women goes that uh, she, at first, was pretty distrusted. She looks like a guy. Why would She's just a run-of-the-mill male physician, so why would women automatically start trusting her? And what she did was, at a particularly hard labor, she revealed to the woman that she was a woman, a woman and then saved the patient and the baby. So word got around about the gender bent Agnodis and that she's a great doctor and it doesn't take long before the male physicians are getting jealous because soon she kind of has a monopoly on all the female patients. Oh, yeah, all the female patients. Yeah, probably They're because like, she wasn't what the actively fuck? telling them that they were sinned against because they were women. Yeah, you know. I am imagining, though, that this person just rocks up with one of those elastic-on Santa Claus beards and is like, yes, I'm a metal physician. And all of a sudden it's like, we got to save this woman, but she won't let you in the room. And the woman just, like, pulls out the beard. She's like, just kidding, I'm a lady. (laughs) Ha-cha-cha. I'm a lady. She, like, pulls up her tunic. I'm a lady. Oh, she's like that other woman that we just talked about. (laughs) Just shows her fucking tits. Tits and grease, they go together. To accentuate her argument. Yeah, like would a man would a man help you deliver your child with these? And the woman's just like, "Thank God, <laughs> thank God, Fuck. she's got boobs." Yeah, thank God, she has boobs. She knows what she's doing in this situation. So the male physicians get angry at this woman because yeah. she they has a really monopoly angry. on the woman market. Yeah, she has a monopoly on the woman market, which they didn't even want to be part of. But anyway, they accuse her of seducing her patients. And they take her to a tribunal of doctors and husbands who are all up in arms being like, not only are you getting all this business, but you're getting that coochie cat as well. And we're not about it. (laughs) When in doubt, press charges for seduction. When in doubt, doubt. you're sleeping with your patients. Press X to doubt and press charges for seduction. Honestly, they were so quick on the draw. They were like, there's only one possible explanation. She's sleeping with them while they're in labor. It's She's weird. actively seducing all of her patients while delivering their children. It's She's so good. <laughs> He's so good. We're anyway. confused about what pronouns to use. 
we're very confused. But it's here at this tribunal where she throws up her tunic and flashes the coochie cat to prove her innocence. She's just like, listen, I'm a lady. I guess I still could seduce your wives and your patients, but, like, I'm not. But now these men are even angrier because she broke the law. Like, she not only got all of their patients, but she is a woman to boot, and they're like, this is my fragile male ego. This is an outrage. (laughs) This is an outrage. (laughs) Um, But before she's sentenced, a large group of women sort of storm the castle, right? They storm the capital, and they defend her. They're like, she's kind of... Good luck storming the castle. Do you think they can do it? Make a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I mean, so these it, women stormed the castle. Yeah, it kind of was a miracle, though, because they, they all showed up, they defended her, and the ruling body of Athens was like, hey, maybe you're right, and they changed the law to allow women to practice medicine. Damn, dude. Which is a cool story, but like I said, it's a cool story if it is real. Like, the thing is, there's only one account of this woman, and it's written by a Roman author named Hyginus, which sounds like he chose a clever, like, nom de plume. He's the founding father yeah. of the practice of hygiene. Hygiene, right? Yeah. He was just like, hmm, I'm going to write about health care. What should my, <laughs> what should what my, should name my be? pen name be? What should my uh-huh. pen name be? Hello, fellow Roman scholars, what should, or uh, fellow Greek scholars. What should my pen name be if I'm talking about hygiene? <gasps> yeah, that does seem a little uh, yeah, a little far fishy there. Yeah. yeah, it's like a no, little no, bit no, far fetched. Hygiene, not fishy. Okay, yes. yeah, that's true. Hardy hard. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't want that smell up in here. But no, like I, I think. There, is, I don't know whether or not the the story of this woman is true, and you know, hey, I don't have a wayback machine. I don't have a, I do have my Ford Tacoma, but it's in the shop, so I can't time yeah. travel. Ford Tacoma. Ford Tacoma, time travel, bitches. But so, I there isn't any way to prove it, or but I, I there is part of me that really wants this to happen. It's such a great story. Yeah, I want this to be yeah. true. I, I want, want this to, to be true, but like. Even if it's not true, I think the interesting thing about her story is that she was used during starting in the 16th century for arguments for women to be let into the medical field. Dang. And then in the like the 18th and the 19th centuries, she was used as an argument for the progressive women's health movement and for women to sort of start for lack of a better word, infiltrating male-dominated arenas. They were just like, hey, look how much better the situation got with Agnides. Why wouldn't... Maybe we Why if the Greeks the were doing it? Yeah. Like, yeah. why can't we do the same? And I think that's good. I think that's the most important part, that whether or not this original story is true, it has inspired other instances where women were allowed to be in fields where they damn well should have been in the first place. Yeah, I mean, like, there's no, there's no reason. And also, like, I mean, throughout history, if you look at, you know, the medical field, it's sort of abysmal. But then you look at women's health, and if they couldn't treat men right, they definitely weren't treating women right. Like, case in point, the whole hysteria thing. Like, hey, where's your uterus going? Does it move? 
No, it doesn't. It always stays in one area. <laughs> it's in the same spot every time, dog. It's in oh the same God. spot every time, dog. It's like, it's so, not my ankle today. It is absolutely terrifying to, like, not only, first of all, to hear stories like this, but then to hear the old practices of how it might as well have been magic that these people thought they were performing. Yeah. Yeah, it's I was actually scary. having... It's really scary to think that we missed that by, like, maybe a hundred years. I, yeah, it's not even that far away, but I was actually having this conversation with a gentleman at work, and he's like, I work on computers, and he's like, there's this really good quote that I like to think of where it's like, it's magic until it becomes science. Exactly. Yeah. Or that famous quote from Thor, where he said... Yeah, go on. We call it magic, you call it science, but on my world, they are one and the same, or some bullshit like that. It's been a while since I've seen Thor, don't at me. <laughs> don't at me, thank you. Uh. <laughs> no, but it, Zach's it really is Zach's laughing because wild. Thor is his favorite superhero. That is, is Thor not your favorite superhero? <laughs> I, feel like, um, I feel like that's wrong. <laughs> that is wrong. Um, I'm pretty I... sure his favorite is Tony Stark. No, it's not. We're yeah, not going to get into this conversation assuming? right now. That's not what we're here to talk about. It's can Batman, end of story. Oh. But yeah, continuing on. But yeah, I mean, anyway, I think I just wanted to finish up this story and be like, you know, I I think, especially in America with the healthcare system as it is and like fucking insurance uh, shambles, we are living in one of the cleanliest and like, medically most medically advanced periods in history like i have a headache i can go into my drawer and like take out a pill and then i don't have a headache anymore you got ghosts in your blood you got ghosts in your blood but 90 percent of the problems we have you can walk down to a cvs and right now it's a harder time than it is for most but you know before a pandemic that we're currently in you could walk down to cvs and just strut on in there grab something off the shelf and be like Hatch me up. Let's go. Yeah. To be fair, you could do that in the olden days, too, but it was more likely that your cough syrup had meth in it. Yeah. (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) Or at least, you know, a form of opium. We still haven't figured out if that was a bad thing or not. Yeah, we're still... It it can probably help a lot nowadays, let's be honest. If for nothing else than to break up the boredom of the pandemic. I am not advocating for the use of drugs. Do not at me. I was going to say that (laughs) amphetamines that are used in some typical ADHD medications are one methyl group away from being methamphetamines. Yeah, I know. Oh, we're just, we're one degree of separation. I have had to take drug tests and say, and say, I may test positive for, and they're like, well, why would that happen? And I'm like, I don't know, because sometimes drug tests are bad and I have ADHD and... I take meds for it. I don't anymore, but when I did, I had to tell people, you know, I might test positive for this drug. It might seem like I'm high on crystal meth, but I'm not actually high on crystal meth. I assure you. Thank you. I'm high on the antithesis of that. (laughs) Yeah. Like, again, don't at me. But, I mean, that's sort of... We could probably go on a whole lot about you know like we the problems sure with drug could. tests and like the problems with the healthcare system and how could, you yeah. know this story while very good in helping is women get into the field of yeah like 
it is terrifying that even if it isn't a hundred percent true, the fact that a story like this had to be created to sort of prove that women should be helping women and that like women's bodies weren't disgusting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like I hate that you have to put it that way, but that's pretty much what it by is. By Beelzebub like... himself. Yeah, but like, that is they... how a lot of the male physicians saw it, which is fucking crazy. That's why I'm saying it's yeah. bonkers. It that is we bonkers. are where we are today. Yeah, I mean, we we got here. It's still not perfect, but man, it's something. It's a vast <laughs> improvement. Is it something? Yeah, but I think the next person in the lineup is me. You. It's, it's a me. me. It's a me. It's a you, Matt. All right. So, yeah. uh, my story. Uh, the beginning of my story, and I apologize in advance because this is going to bounce around just a smidgen, but um, our story starts in, well, it doesn't start in Cape Town, but I'm starting our story in Cape Town, South Africa, in the year of our Lord, 1826, where during a birth, a surgeon realized that the mother and child would both die if surgery was not performed, and it was at this time that surgeon Dr. James Barry performed the very first cesarean section, or C-section, where both the mother and child survived the operation. Dope. I feel like that's a very big deal. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. He refused payment, and in exchange for his refusal of payment the family then offered to name their baby after him so what was the baby's name i don't know <laughs> it didn't say but i'd imagine that it was minute, like james james for a minute though james i Barry. forgot his name and i was like please tell me they didn't name this baby c-section yeah for sure <laughs> please tell me that they just named this baby doc who yeah. later became a doctor in his own right and it Hell was dr yes. doc Hell yes. Dr. Doc. So anyways, Barry was born in 1789 in County Cork, Ireland, and at a young age showed an interest in pursuing higher education. In his late teens, Barry moved from Ireland to London with his mother. Barry's mother had a brother located in London uh, who was also named James. <laughs> Lots of Jameses. <laughs> yeah, we've Everyone's... got about three so far in this story. So... I feel like in the past there were just less names. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think people were just vastly less creative. There were a They're ton like, less names. If the first James This is James, dies, the which 15th. is very likely. <laughs> so anyways, along with meeting his uncle, young Dr. Barry met an exiled Venezuelan general named Francisco de Miranda, and then another gentleman named David Stewart. Erskine, who was the Earl of Buchan. James's uncle is believed to be the one who steered him towards medicine as an area of study, as far as his education went. James's uncle died in 1806, and he was in academia a little bit, but he was also a painter, and so he left his, his wealth to James's mother and him, and in 1809, James enrolled in a medical school in i believe edinburgh and by 1813 james had enrolled in or had enlisted excuse me to be an assistant surgeon in the army and got in despite some pushback about them believing that he was underage 
So hmm. they thought that he was underage because he had very fair skin and a high pitched voice. And that's so funny. Was just <laughs> like, yeah. hey, are you a little boy? And are, he's you, like, are, no, are you I a youngin'? Are you two boys you... standing on each other's shoulders? And he and he was like, "What is your reasoning for that Ooh, assumption?" Excuse and they're me, just what like, is your line "Look of at questioning your skin." For. Yeah, look at your, your skin. skin. Listen to your voice, bro. Um, so, anyways, in the military, he's quickly uh, promoted and is moved to Cape Town in South Africa, where he serves for ten years. And while he's in Cape Town, he is vastly improving the lives of people that he's coming into contact with. Uh, this was an area where slavery was very prevalent, and he was known for treating the rich and the poor, uh, military members, uh, slaves, all the same, and he treated them with the same amount of care that he would treat anyone else that he was engaging with. Hell yeah. He also improved quality of life for people that lived in asylums, so people struggling with mental illness in the area of Cape Town, he would he would improve their quality of life. Um, in the asylums, he improved the water system in Cape Town, oh. so uh, that the water was cleaner and people were living better in that way. So what you're telling me is he's not just boy doctor, he's, he's boy engineer. Fucking, he's, <laughs> he's fucking amazing. boy engineer. He's... Wonder Boy. He's Wonder Boy. But while Engineer he's there, while he's him. there, he becomes good friends with the local governor, Lord Charles Somerset. How did people in these stories, like in the past, get such I feel amazing like they names? casually. No, well, they have amazing names, mostly James and Joseph. But they also. But... Yeah, James, Joseph, Charles. <laughs> John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. They casually meet, like, very powerful people. They're just like, he was the friend of... Of a friend of a friend. The highest authority. He was an exiled Venezuelan land. governor. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And know, I just met him on the streets of London once. I met, yeah, dude. Like, yeah. I don't know how I, it happened. I literally don't, like... And the annoying thing about doing this research is, like, they want to get to the juicy bits of these stories so they never tell you exactly how these people meet. Aside from to yeah. say that, you know, James, know James Barry is doing, like, amazing work in Cape Town. And so he drew the attention of Lord Charles Somerset. Lord Charles. <laughs> Somerset liked Barry so much that he ended up giving him a private room in his residence. And eventually, as these things do, as was, you know, mentioned in uh, Megan's story, rumors began to abound that Somerset was quote-unquote, buggering Dr. Barry, which in these times was, mm -hmm. it was illegal for people to be gay. And so investigations were made into the claims that uh, these two were having an affair, but no proof was found. And so that kind of went by the wayside and Barry continued to uh, live his life. Um, and although he was a gifted surgeon, he had an extremely short temper and was notoriously brash and known to fight with pretty much everyone, including a particular instance where he fought with Florence Nightingale. Oh. Who described him as, uh, and I'll use a direct quote here, she said, he behaved like a brute, the most hardened creature I have ever met. 
Um, there are well, also reports that he shot a man while he was in a duel, but did no fatal damage. That's because he was a surgeon, even with a fucking gun. With a fucking oh, pistol. My God. <laughs> He's like, I know where to shoot where I know it does where to shoot the, most the most harm. Yeah, I'll cause the most pain, but do non-lethal damage. Yeah. Uh, so I'll eyeball it. I'll eyeball I'm it. that good. I'll just figure it out. Good sir, Good this sir. might hurt a bit. This might hurt a bit, you'll have to pay me a lot of money to extract that bullet from your kneecap. You <laughs> might feel oh, some dude. discomfort. What a racket. What a yeah. whole racket. Right. He just Let me duel you, and then I'll duels. dig the fucking bullet out. That'll be oh. ten shillings, or whatever the fuck we use for currency. <laughs> <laughs> so, in, 18, in 1828, he gets uh, transferred from Cape Town to Mauritius. And he gets arrested because he picks a fight with his senior officer. He gets arrested for conduct unbecoming of a gentleman. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. found not guilty. Oh. Oh, that's But good. he continues his life stepping on feet, but also wherever he goes, he is improving the quality of life for everyone he comes in contact with. As I mentioned, the mentally ill he improved the water supply in Cape Town. He's been he's been to asylums where lepers are and he's improving their quality of life and their their level of treatment. And he's treating everyone regardless of their station, regardless of their rank, regardless of, you know, their standing in life. And as I mentioned in, you know, 1826, he even refused payment for uh, saving the mother and child during what was obviously a very risky operation if this is the first time that a mother and child had both survived. I am not surprised he got acquitted because this dude gentlemanly as fuck. Yeah, for know, sure. Right? He goes throughout life improving lives but also stepping on people's toes until his eventual death in 1865. He dies of dysentery. And when he died, he left instructions to not be bathed or dressed for a funeral and had instead insisted that he be, quote, buried in my bedsheets with no further inspection. And this request was denied. Oh. And it was then discovered that Dr. James Berry was, in fact, a female, having a female's anatomy but also bearing the stretch marks of having been pregnant. Holy fucking shit. So the now I'm going to tell time? you guys, now I'm going to tell you guys this story from the beginning. Margaret Ann Bulky was born in 19 or 1789 rather. In her teenage years, it is believed that Margaret was raped by one of her uncles and she gave birth to a daughter named Juliana. At the age of 18, she was quoted as saying, Were I not a woman, I would be a soldier. And in 1806, Margaret's uncle, James Barry, dies. And in 1809, Margaret Bulky uses the name James Barry while enrolling in medical school. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. He's often chastised for being too young as he has a fair complexion and a high-pitched voice. But any time that he runs into... Problems in school, Lord Eskine, who was an earl, helps smooth things over if anyone gets too contentious. Then the rest of his life proceeds as I already described, and as I mentioned, everywhere James Barry goes, he improves the lives of people who are suffering. So, I just want it established for our listeners who might think that Megan and I planned this beforehand, but I did, in fact, tell Megan that I was talking about the first doctor to to perform successful C-section. So she had no idea that this gender bend was a a common thread of the two of these people. But yeah, I thought the common thread was just going to be, you know, women's health, midwifery or women's health. And I was like, oh, well, I have a badass lady story that I think will do well here. So more uncommon than I thought. The the craziest thing about this, right, is obviously the autopsy request gets denied. Barry had a number of reasons to not want to be inspected further upon death. In fact, throughout pretty much the entirety of his life, he wore an overcoat, which was padded to hide his shape uh, or to fill out his shape. He wore red wigs very often, um, red-haired wigs. And every pair of shoes that he had was lifted by a set of three-inch heels. Wow. Um, that he had installed. That's wild. So he didn't want anyone he didn't want anyone looking into his death, obviously. Yeah. But this woman did perform an autopsy, and then through my research, it's kind of weird. The the reports say that it was either discovered because transcripts between uh Barry and his doctor were leaked. Or this woman, having not been paid for the services of an autopsy, went to the newspaper and told them about her discovery. Now, Hmm. with regards to these rumors getting back to Dr. Barry's uh, personal physician, he said that it was none of his business. And he also said that he had never he had no reason to to go looking for the answer to whether or not Dr. Barry was a male or a female. He had never once... I'm trying to find the, the actual quote here from the doctor, but... I mean, like, 
It's kind of interesting. It's uh, whether Dr. Barry was a male, female, or hermaphrodite, I do not know, nor had I any purpose in making the discovery. That's just some solid upholding of the Hippocratic Oath. I know. Exactly, dude. I treated my patient. I did not care. Right, exactly. So the, the craziest thing about this, right, whether this woman, you know, performed this autopsy and then went to the public or whether or not these papers were leaked, the British Army denied all rumors that Dr. Barry was a female. They buried him with his chosen name and rank in a military cemetery, I believe, and then proceeded to seal his records for a hundred years. Fuck yes. So basically, the British Army took their time out of their day to be like, yeah, we don't give a fuck if this dude was assigned female at birth. He's being buried with all of his honors and with the name that he chose for himself. As which he I think is be. really fucking dope, to be honest. Yeah, yeah that is. This, especially you know in a time ex- where obviously, like, women hadn't gotten. Again, the reason that James Barry became a doctor in the first place is because, as the gender he was born as, he had limitations on what he could study in school and wanting to wanting to go into the medical field and all this he thought there was no other way than to do this than to than to pose as a male for his life basically he probably bypassed like so much garbage like i i am a very big proponent of you know women women's rights and like trying to you know get get equal equality Mm -hmm. for like both but also can you imagine how much garbage he bypassed by just being like i'm just gonna be a dude and i'm gonna get so much more done right exactly (laughs) i think at the end of the day the best thing about this story and it is sad to have anyone die of dysentery it's not a it's not a fun way to go definitely not but to have this person well, their last request of not being autopsied was not honored. Honored. I think the reasoning for them not wanting to have an autopsy done that was still honored at the end of the day. They were buried with full honors. It was told, you deal with it, whether you're, you don't get to know the answer. Because right. this person made the world better. At the end of the day, I and think that that's is what also, we care yeah, about. Yeah, that's definitely that's such a beautiful sentiment. But mm-hmm. I also I think about someone who would have the audacity to one not honor the request of an aut like to not have an autopsy done, but then also to try and exploit that for some sort of like. All yeah, I can like say I is that paid. it's really surprising. For the time that Dr. James was living in, for this to have gone the way that it did. It's really, yeah. like, it's a really interesting sort of... Well, yeah, you said, like, the, the military then, like, got involved, and I was fully expecting them to be like... Yeah, yeah because he, we... was, he was enlisted in the military up until his death. He yeah, was a surgeon we, we general. fully said, fuck this person's request uh, not to have an autopsy, and then we found out he was... 
born a she. And then, you know, they, they came in clutch for me. Yeah. They did? No, it's it's amazing. It's a pretty pretty neat story. And like I yeah, said, was it was one. the second that you mentioned that uh that your person and God help me for not remembering her name, but the second uh, that you said that she game. would dress as a man, I was like, we didn't fucking plan this. <laughs> we never do plan those And things. it's fucking, but yeah, but it, it just goes to show, and as we were talking about during your story, Megan, it goes to show that even now, like, a lot of women are still going through situations where, I mean, it's not so much the medical profession now, it's more like STEM and things of that mm-hmm. nature where... You're seeing that look like a boys club and a lot of women are trying to break into that field much to the chagrin of, you know, all the people that have been doing it before. But this story. Uh, Well, I think like as far as treatment, right, I think like women still sometimes do get shunted off. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not as often, but like there have definitely been stories of, of women being like, yep, I went into the doctors and they just said, oh, well, you know, maybe it's just, like, women's problems. Maybe it's just hysteria. Yeah, but... like, except not in, not in like, those terms, but they just kind of say, like, oh, well, that just kind of happens. Yeah. But what, so I'm, but what I'm saying is, like, the, like the crazy, so. uh, the amount of time between your story and my story and someone still being told that they can't study a certain field because of their gender. Yeah. So they're having to like make the choice to, and I mean, even some of the reports that I was reading were saying who knows what Dr. Barry would have done. Were he alive now? Um, what would that look like? What I mean, yeah. obviously, the times were different then. Would he have felt comfortable living as a female now as opposed to then? I mean, I don't know. Because, like, people are still pretty abysmal to, to like, the trans community. Yeah. And I, I wish that wasn't a thing because, like, yeah. they're just trying to, like, live their their truth fucking yeah. truth like leave them alone which is why I'm a little bit, yeah which is why i found myself getting a little bit flustered yeah. at the end where it's like i don't want an investigation into my autopsy or i don't want an autopsy period and someone's like well i've got questions and they need to be answered yeah. so off with your robes it's uh yeah yeah and along those notes uh i think we're gonna keep breaking this glass ceiling tonight oh, yeah. uh, coming in my story my story. So, with my introduction, it was, uh, you know, goofy. Yeah, and then you also uh, Because that's what I know how to do. But we're going to be talking about spies in my story today. And we're going to be talking about a particular spy by the name of okay. Virginia Hall. Um, Virginia Hall was born in Baltimore in 1906 uh, and lived a pretty normal childhood. She studied a lot. She had the opportunity to have education and ends up learning a bunch of different languages, including French, German, and Italian, and is all around good for her. smart. She ends up, yeah, good for her, exactly. Later on in her life, uh, you know, in 1931, she's well, a little bit before 1931, she decides she wants to travel, see the world. She kind of bebops all around Europe and then ends up getting a job as a clerk at the American Embassy in Warsaw in 1931. 
Uh, she stays at that job for a little while. In 1933, she kind of has this life-defining moment. Uh, she is okay. out does. hunting birds, as one does, uh, hunting birds, and she trips and shoots herself in the left Dope. foot. Fuck, no, my um, left foot. <laughs> the leg ends up being amputated below the knee. No! Goodness um, gracious. And it is replaced with a wooden appendage, which she cutely names Cuthbert. I once knew a man with a wooden leg named George. <laughs> exactly. So she ends up trying her best to become a diplomat with the United States Foreign Services, but it is extremely rare that women are hired to be a diplomat. So in 1937, she ends up getting turned down by the Department of State because there's a really, really obscure rule in the bylaws against hiring people with disabilities as diplomats. Nice. Yup, oh that's super fucked up. They were like, you know what? We didn't want to hire you to begin with because of the whole lady thing. But like, thank God you have a peg leg now. <laughs> yeah, that's literally what it was. It was like, we don't want to hire you because you are a woman. So let's find this really obscure bylaw. Oh, cool. You have ha a wooden foot. So fuck you. We don't like pirates. Yeah, government. what's wrong with being a pirate? Um, <laughs> so she ends up actually sending an appeal to President Franklin Delano Roosevelt at the time. And he does not give a shit. He Even himself being disabled in a wheelchair is like, nah, fuck it. Damn, dude. Hey, look, I get, to, not... I get to live in my status as a fucking president. You gotta find a way to live with your gift of a wooden foot. Yep, Damn. pretty much. So she ends up resigning from the Department of the State, Department of State in 1939, still a desk clerk, uh, which really sucks. Rocking that desk jockey. Yep, it, it's awful. And then, guess what happens? She changes her name and becomes a man and becomes a spy with a wooden leg. I was going to lose no, my mind. But... In order, in, in I'm sorry, in Megan's words, the greatest war happens. The greatest <laughs> war. <laughs> the greatest war. <laughs> um, so World War II starts, and uh, February of 1940, Virginia ends up becoming an ambulance driver for the Army of France. Because she's in Europe doing whatever she she's does. She's the fucking the captain of the Wee Woo Wagon. She's the fucking captain of Le Wee Woo Wagon. Wee Woo Wee Woo. So after the defeat of France in June 1940, she makes her way to Spain, uh, and she ends up meeting this British intelligence offer by the name of George Bellows. Bellows is like, you're really impressive and you're really cool. Let me give you a telephone number for a wink, wink, nod, nod friend who might be able to help you find some employment in England. Dang. This friend ended up being Nicholas Boddington who worked and was one of the senior operatives in the Special Operations Executive, which was newly formed in World so War II. So we've got some new names a... being in, introduced in the late uh, 19s. Boddington sounds like an, a porn star's name. Yeah, but it's, not just, it's <laughs> not just James anymore. Okay. We've got a Nicholas in the mix. We got a Nicholas oh, in there. Damn, I would say, I would say it sounds like a porn star name, but Boddington, yes. Maybe if it was Proddington, absolutely. Wait, no, Boddington <laughs> with the body. <laughs> okay, okay. So I think it's a stripper name more than anything, okay, but fine. I'll go along with it. However, yeah. So the SOE is newly formed, and Nicholas Boddington is like, yeah, 
you're joining the SOE. So for so Virginia Hall joins the SOE in April of 1941, and after some training, is sent to Vichy, France, uh, which is uh, independent at the time, but ends up becoming occupied by Germany in August. So she was the only second female agent to be sent to France by uh, the SOE, and she was the one who remained there for the longest period of time. So Virginia's cover was to be a reporter for the New York Post, which gave her license to interview people, gather information, and file stories, basically filled with as much military details as possible. So she would just write up these reports and then be like, yes, I'm sending them to my editor. Just kidding, I'm sending them to the British Secret Intelligence Service. I'm sending them directly to Churchill's war room. (laughs) Pretty much. Um, So she ends up discovering, you know, in October of 1941 that 12 agents were arrested and incarcerated in, uh, I'm going to probably butcher this name, but uh, Muzak Prison in near, wow, that's, yeah, this is really really bad and I apologize. I want to know. Give it to Gaston. Bergerac. 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 Okay. Um, Wireless operator, this, this wireless operator, Jorge... Uh, oh my god! Okay. This is a this is a really a lot of a lot of so hard dude, fun like, words from here. We already we started this night saying that we weren't good at pronunciations. <laughs> We're sticking with it. They know I'm living up to it. Yeah, like the, they know. Jorge, um, I don't know if it's Jorge Georges. It's <laughs> definitely <laughs> not Georges. Where does he come from? <laughs> Okay, France. well then it might be Georges because they got <laughs> fucked up ways of speaking down there. <laughs> exactly. Um, so he ends up this basically we're gonna say this wireless operator ends up smuggling letters to Virginia from the prison, and they end up smuggling in a bunch of cans of tin uh, tinned up sardines, and they first put a bunch of tools in the tins of sardines and re-roll them back up, reseal them. And get them to the people in the prisons, and the tins are full of tools. So, in July of 1942, these prisoners end up making a key to the door, and busting out, and hide in the woods, and are absolutely all okay. And they all get rescued because Hall just coordinates this huge business between a bunch of people who have family in the prisons, and a bunch of people outside the prisons, and basically coordinates this giant prison break. What a hero. And the Germans are absolutely fucking pissed. So they have the uh, have Vichy France flooded with 500 brand new Gestapo agents just to hunt down Virginia Hall. <laughs> she has her own secret police looking for her. Yeah. So, you know, the front ends up moving into the northern side of bit of Africa as the Allies push up. And November 8th, the Germans end up occupying Vichy France. And... Hall anticipated that this was going to happen, so she ends up fleeing and not telling anyone about this. As I mentioned, Hall had her foot named Cuthbert, um, so she ends up signaling to the SOE right before her escape of VG France and says she hoped that Cuthbert would not trouble her on the way. Uh, Apparently, the SOE did not understand the reference and replied... (laughs) I've g- <laughs> if Cuthbert Troublesome, eliminate him. I've given oh. my leg uh, a name that only I shared with myself. Let me use it in this correspondence with a secret organization I've been working with. I like how they <laughs> took it so seriously. And they're just <laughs> they were like, like take eliminate him. him. Take him out. Just take him out. So she ends up getting away and 
is never caught. Virginia was never caught by the Nazi party and ends up actually joining the CIA in 1951. Oh, look who came crawling back. The CIA. (laughs) The right... The CIA finally. Please, please. So actually, the Nazis end up referring to her as the most dangerous allied spy of all. Like, they are absolutely afraid of this this woman. Good. So she ends up getting, again, as I said, joining the CIA in 1951 and ends up working with the CIA until she hits 60, which is the mandatory age to retire from the CIA. And she's like, fuck I you. I didn't know that that existed, but, like, dope to know. So it, it, she just was one of the greatest spies ever, despite A, being a woman, despite B, being told no at a dozen times from America... Uh, the United States, and also having one foot that was made of wood. Good old Cuthbert. You know, I'm so glad that, like, there have been women who have been told no, and they're just like, I don't like that I'm gonna fucking do it, anyways. Uh, Yeah, I'm gonna gonna fucking... It's literally women in history go, fucking bet. Fucking hold my beer. You can't do this. Fucking bet. Yeah. Fucking bet. You're like, hold Cuthbert. Old Cuthbert hobbles on over. So clearly she um, didn't eliminate Cuthbert for being in it. Apparently Cuthbert didn't get in the way of eliminated. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, so she doesn't end up, you know, tossing Cuthbert into the rivers of... France. The, uh, France. Whatever um, rivers they have there. I was going to say, I can't remember what rivers they have. I don't There's know, they got the sign. Pally. Yeah. yeah. Alright, I don't know any of the other ones. I also love how we we have planned in the future a uh, woman's power episode. Although, by the time that you listen to this episode, the woman's episode will be in the past, perhaps. Oh yeah, well, we're gonna get our, wha- uh, our timelines all whacked out. <laughs> well, time Honestly, I don't know. It's is wibbly-wobbly. Like... Yep. I like that this happened because we we didn't plan on like we we planned on having a women's episode but we didn't yeah. plan it tonight. Yeah. So it was nice that we kind of organically came to the conclusion. Also, I'd like it to be known that while the person that I spoke about was assigned female at birth, very much a male. Yes. Yeah. So not entirely a female episode. Fair. Fair. But I think fair, we fair, had fair. some great uh my, I think my point was we had some great women empowerment stories. We did have some great women stories. And I think that's kind of a really nice and touching sentiment to end it on. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I also well, agree I with your agreement. Fantastic. <laughs> I think that just leaves, like, unless we don't have anything else, uh, you know, we have our, our ending uh, sentiment that I will leave up to you. Oh, me? Yeah. Oh. You. Hang on, I dropped it. Okay. What the fuck, history? and what the fuck history we encourage you to tell a friend we don't pay for any ads so the best way to get us out there is to talk to other people about us you can find us on facebook at the triumvirate productions on twitter at triumvirate underscore pod and on instagram at the underscore triumvirate underscore productions 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 